Hey, we just finished up a series that was called The Future of the Family. How many of you guys were a part of that with us? You were here a couple of those times. All of you, awesome. Give yourselves a hand. If you didn't make that, it was unbelievable, you know, just strengthening our family, strengthening our marriages. You know, I walked away from that series with 25 things that I'm not doing right, and I got to get you, so... A lot of ministry time in our home. Jamie casting demons out of me. It's just been really, shouldn't have never preached it. No, but we have had a great week. Uh, just just kind of, just want to just brag on my wife. You know, she's running for mayor. And um, last night, yeah, last night, girlfriend had me out in the dark putting up signs. Now, I don't know how you guys grew up, but you don't go in somebody's yard at night. That's how you get shot where I'm from. I don't know about you guys. And she's like, oh, it's okay. They're all right with it. I'm like, I don't know. And so, but I'm just so proud of you, baby. I'm proud of you chasing after Jesus with all your heart. So we're starting a new little mini-series, and, uh, and I, we've titled this uh, Be Someone's Miracle. In fact, not only is it on the screen, but you'll find the title on my shirt. Wow. See, I just wanted to flex my one back muscle that, uh, that I have that has arisen from all of the eating that I'm doing. There you go. And, uh, and so really, today, as we jump into this, we really do believe that you and I have the ability to be a part of someone's miracle process. Each and every one of us sitting here today, we're the result of a bunch of what I call micro-miracles. Some of you should be dead. Some of us shouldn't be here. We shouldn't be Christian, that's for sure. The way we were raised, what we went through, what, how our heart was ripped out through a divorce or something like that, what, how people in the church that we came from treated us. We are a miracle sitting here. And then alongside of that, you being a miracle, there are little many miracles throughout your years that have gotten you to this point. Someone was kind to you when no one else was. Someone, someone gave you an, a leg up when no one else would give you a leg up. They were a part of this miracle process in all of our lives. And it's with that today and next Sunday that we're going to talk about the miracles of God and us being a part of the miracle process in people's lives. And the reason that is is because here in just a few weeks, we're going to celebrate what we call the Resurrection Sunday. The nation calls it Easter. It's not the actual date when Jesus resurrected, but we actually here at Church on the Hill call it Miracle Weekend. The reason why we call it Miracle Weekend because Jesus raising from the dead is the greatest miracle in the history of humanity. It's one thing for him to die on a cross, but it's another thing to raise from the dead. See, all the other religions claim that their leader was a prophet or a god even, but none of theirs raised from the dead. And said, so Jesus is the one true God. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And part of the proof of that is over 500 people saw and testified that he resurrected from the dead. He is the living Savior. And that is the greatest miracle in the history of humanity. More than uh, blind eyes open, walking on water, whatever it may be. Is that our God not only came and lived in the form of a man, but died for our sins, the payment of our sins, and then resurrected. And for whatever reason, two or three times a year, the nation, people, their hearts are open to God. Easter being one of them. Uh, Christmas being another. And most of the time, whenever they're going through something real tragic, the death of a loved one, something difficult, people's hearts are open because they get so busy and they get so caught up in their own lives, and we all do. And they just kind of don't have any room for Jesus in their life. And so for whatever reason, Easter, if you will, or Miracle Weekend for us is that moment. And what I want to do is I want to be sure that we're there as the church to help them know the living Savior and the power of his resurrection. Are you with me? Say yes. And so with that, well, the next couple of weeks, we're going to start prepping ourselves to be a part of the miracle process in people's lives. Uh, some of you are uh, old enough Christian. Thank you. 
And in the 80s, there was this song called Thank You. Anybody ever heard that song? Thank you for giving to the Lord. And I am a life that was changed. Look, all you guys are Catholic. You have no idea what we're singing right now. It's like, what? Are you, you were really pagan. You're like, dude, I, wasn't, I was listening to Zeppelin. I wasn't listening to that. But there was this, this, and one of the lines in the song, Thank You, went like this. One by one they came, far as the eye could see. Each life somehow touched by your generosity. Little things that you had done, sacrifices made. They were unnoticed on the earth, but in heaven now proclaimed. And it's with that that I want to dive into today's teaching on being someone's miracle. Little things that you and I are doing, little things that we've done to help other people, brought about some miracles in their life. Others have done that for us and brought about great miracles in our life, micro miracles along the way. Our key scripture today is found in Matthew chapter 25. If you'll turn there as quickly as you can. Matthew chapter 25, looking in verse 35. This is Jesus speaking. He's actually talking about the judgment day as he separates the sheep from the goat. And he goes into this line of communication. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Jesus is in this discussion about what it'll look like on that day. And he actually, as he gives this, he says that the righteous, he'll declare to them, you were, I was hungry and, and, you, and you came to me and you, and you fed me. They'll say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? He said, no, 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 if you did it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. And actually what Jesus does is he explains how judgment and how he qualifies the kingdom values and the true attributes of a true follower of Jesus Christ. He's saying that the true attribute of a, a sincere follower of Jesus will actually love and care for others as though it were Jesus himself. And then he also qualifies that, 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 that what that looks like, a genuine follower will actually not only care about others, but those who do not. He actually says that he calls them unrighteous. And he says, and then when the unrighteous come and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? We didn't help any, we didn't see you hungry. And he goes, right, you didn't do it to the least of these. Therefore, you weren't doing it unto me. And he literally separates them out as righteous and unrighteous based on how we cared and loved for others. It's really unbelievable. And it's with that premise, I don't want to dive into kind of our key teaching today. I've taught this before, but I thought it was real important. I kept being drawn back to the storyline in the book of Acts. story about Philip and the Ethiopian. And if you'll turn with me quickly to Acts chapter 8. And I want to bring out how Philip was a micro-miracle, if you will, in this scenario. We'll read a few verses. If that's okay, it's church. We should read the Bible. I know people have gotten away from it, but we like it. Acts chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, a eunuch um, is, is a person who's been neutered, and I'll leave it at that. <clears throat> I didn't know any other way to say it without being in trouble. Jamie's back in service. So, An important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace queen of the Ethiopians. Now, what was, what was his job? He was basically was CFO uh, for, for, for Ethiopia. For, he, he worked for the queen. And uh, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet, verse 29. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. 
How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. The eunuch was reading the passage of scripture. He was like a, she- he was like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearers is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Verse 34, the eunuch asked Philip, he says, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when he came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took him from that place, or took him away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but he went on his way rejoicing. So let me kind of break this down. If you look in the earlier part of this chapter, as we opened up in the early part of these verses, it says, and the, and the angel of the Lord came and told him, go, go down the desert road. Now, in the opening of chapter 8, Philip is in the midst of revival. He's preaching, people are getting saved, miracles are happening. He's having serious revival, so serious and so exciting. It's probably been the dream of his life to actually see these things happen. And so much so that an angel has to come to him and say, hey, listen, I need need you to leave this environment and I need you to go on a desert road. I need you to take the desert road that nobody really travels. I need you to leave the place of comfort that you're in, the place of excitement that you're in right now. And I need you to go out there where nobody's at because God has a plan for you. I I often ask myself, why did he have to send an angel? And I'll tell you why I believe he had to send an angel. Because Philip wasn't listening to nothing else. He wasn't going to listen to the Spirit of the Lord. He wasn't going to feel the nudges of God. Why? Because he's in the middle of excitement. Man, the church is growing. It's exploding. People are getting touched. Lives are getting changed. This is what I've dreamed of my whole life. So literally, an angel has to tap him on the shoulder and says, hey, God needs you to go out in a worthless place. He needs you to lead the excitement of your life right now and go out on a desert road. Uh, okay. And this desert road, it kind of led, as it said, from Gaza out to Ethiopia. And so as he's on this road, it's the road less traveled. And that's, that's been some of the people's problem that I've engaged with over the years in ministry is that God will tell them and challenge them, hey, I need you to step after out of what's comfortable and go to a place of discomfort because I have need of you there. And a lot of us will never make that move simply because we like the comfort of what God's doing here and now. And so we won't take a step into that which is uncomfortable to help somebody, maybe to love on someone, to stop our car in the rain and help that person change the tire or actually speak out at work about what God actually wants there to be here instead of all the cursing and spitting and fighting and all that and we won't step out of that comfort zone not because we don't love jesus not because we don't we don't we we don't want him at work in our life simply because what we're doing right now is comfortable and so he challenges him he says go to the desert road so he goes to the desert road and he's walking along this road as he's walking along this road here comes this chariot now it's not a chariot like you know, like you would see, you know, you know, in, in, in some movie, a warring chariot where there's a guy with a horse, you know, and he's got this little chariot piece around him, and he, you know, and he throws a spear and he kills him. This is more like what you would see, like the Queen of England or something. In this has got multiple a team of horses, and uh, you, you've got people running this whole chariot, and the guy's sitting on the inside, and he is an Ethiopian eunuch. And so he has been neutered so that he never ha- has a moment where he might would mess with the royal family sexually. And so he's done this voluntarily so that he could have this position. He's CFO of Ethiopia. He's very important. He is very powerful. He is very influential. And so as Philip sees him passing, the windows are open. In in ancient times, they would read things out loud. Their belief system was, if I read it out loud, I'll understand it better. And so he's reading the book of Isaiah out loud. 
And as he reads it out loud, Philip feels the nudge of the Spirit to go run alongside the chair. So he's running alongside the chair. And the guy's in there. And Isaiah said of the Lord. And he's reading it out loud. And Philip's like, hey, you understand what you're reading? Now, that's how I would be running. Philip was probably just running like this. He goes, how can, I, how can I understand unless somebody helps me? And Philip says, well, okay. So the guy stops the chariot, invites Philip in. And he reads the passage that we quoted here. And as he reads it out loud, he goes, is the prophet talking about himself or someone yet to come? And Philip said, I'm so glad you asked. He is talking about Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who just months earlier was, was murdered then he resurrected, and he's now seated at the right hand of the Father, intercessing for, interceding for us. And obviously, in his engagement, in his engagement, this guy goes, this is, this is truth. This is truth. I want to be a follower of this Jesus. Now, they're what? They're out in the desert. They're on a desert road. How many ponds, lakes, do you find in the desert? Not many. So there's probably some little mud hole right there on the side. And the guy says, why don't I get baptized right here in this mud hole? I want to follow Jesus. So he commands him, stop. Philip gets down with him in the little mud hole, baptizes him. And as soon as he baptizes him, Philip is, he's extracted. He's translated another 20 miles away. Can you imagine? I would always love this to happen. I'm a big Star Trek fan, you know, and uh, I would love to be, you know, just translated. He's translated 20 miles away. And when this happens, the Ethiopian eunuch is like, what? And the Bible says he starts rejoicing. That dude starts, oh, yeah. He starts going crazy, right? Now, history tells us something very powerful. That Ethiopia begins to have revival in early church history. That Africa begins to have this movement of Christianity across it. And history tells us that this man right here, this Ethiopian was a major player in the movement of God in the early church throughout Africa. Philip was a micro-miracle for this man's life. This man supernaturally is used to win millions probably of people to Christ during that time frame. But there is a Philip, if you back it up, who is just a micro-miracle leading up. Philip could have said, no, I don't want to follow out in the desert. It's too hard to live out in the desert. I don't want to go out there. I'm in the middle of something amazing. Why would I stop what I'm doing amazing to go do that? Had Philip not done that, then we don't have the movement in Africa that God was trying to get to. Come on, are you with me? Because no one reaches out to the Ethiopian eunuch because there's a moment where he actually goes, his heart's open, and he's trying to find God. And he gets, he actually buys a scroll. And, and, and you had to buy them. There was, there was no giving them out. They were handwritten. They were hard to come by. So he's got enough money. I mean, normal people didn't have one. That's why the early church, you saw them going back to the temple every weekend. The reason why is because they needed the word of God. And they didn't have it because only, only the temples had them because they were handwritten and they were passed from temple to temple. And so he buys one. He's reading because he's desperate for God. God needs a Philip to be right there at that moment to spark something in this man's life to speak truth to him so he would get baptized and say, yes, I'll follow Jesus. Then he extracts Philip to show this man that God's the God of miracles. And this guy goes back and he gets everybody saved. And there's movement. There are two great movements in the early church. There's Europe because of Paul. And then there's Africa. And most people believe because of this man right here. Micro miracle over here. Do you realize that you and I are called as believers to be a part of the micro miracle process in people's lives? Little something, little simple things. It has broken my heart that somehow most of us have bought into a lie that because I sin, 
because I got an anger issue, because I cussed somebody the other day, God can't use me. That we bought into this thing, because I still have this bad habit, I'm trying to get past it, that that means I'm negated from loving on other people. Friend, you've got to get free from that, and I'll tell you why. Because we are all sinners saved by grace. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen, we are just tools in his hand. We're just dudes and dudettes who love. That's why I'm as brutally authentic as I can be on stage with you, and when you meet me anywhere else, why? Because I learned over the years that that dude who looks so polished and so great, he puts his britches on just like us. leg at a time. That guy right there has got as much issues in his family than we got in our family. And what you and I need to do is fall on the grace of God and say, you know what? You love me not because I'm good. You love me because you're good. Lord God, you use me not because I'm great and I'm broken, but you still use me and I'm learning to fail forward in the process of serving God. Friend, can I tell you something? You are to be a part of the miracle process in other people's lives. Someone was a part of that in your life. I can't tell you how many people I've heard that said, man, I was sitting at a bar. I was mad at life, and this dude who used to go to church started telling me about Jesus at the bar. And I went, you right. And I came to church here, Pastor Adam. I've gotten saved. My family's right. Everything's changing. I was, who's the guy at the bar? I don't know, some dude who shouldn't have been at a bar. But he was mad at life, but he started telling me about Jesus just because he was mad at life. Can you believe it? Micro miracle. Boom, 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 boom. I ran across this video footage of this kid who was, who was you know, he had, corporate America, and he's making good money, and he just got frustrated, and he decided he was going to open up his own pizza business, dollar a slice in Philadelphia. And uh, instead of explaining the story to you, I'd like to take three minutes of our time today and let you just see what this guy did. He decided he wanted to help homeless people because someone reached out to him to pay some forward for anyone who might come in the store, and the story is magnificent. I want you to see it today. Play that for him. first day the pay it forward program kind of started was when a gentleman walked in and he asked if a homeless person ever came in short and he offered to pre-purchase a slice of pizza for the next homeless person so he gave me a dollar I ran out got posted notes put one up on a wall behind the register told more people about it eventually a couple days later a homeless person came in he had like 65 cents on him and we told him to just keep the change. It was already paid for. He redeemed one of the pre-purchased slices. So uh, now we've given away almost 10,000 slices of pizza. I feel, well, you know, welcome. I feel like, you know, like I almost bought the slice, but I know I didn't. I try to donate at least like $5 a week, you know, and it's so funny because today I left my wallet and everything home, and I, was, I have 78 cents in my pocket, and I just came out like, I'm a little short. They were like, okay, don't worry about it, and that's a really great feeling. You know, so I can imagine how the homeless people feel. And um, it's just a great thing. And the pizza is good. I'm from New York, so you know I know what pizza is. Before I opened up Rosa's, I just worked at a a desk job in New York. You know, I showed up every morning, did some computer work, and then, you know, went home. Pretty regular stuff. I wanted to kind of do something new. I saw the success of the the dollar pizza stores throughout uh, New York. So I thought I'd I'd open this place up and uh, try my hand at it. I've been three years off the streets. I was seven years home out of the as a as a veteran, you know, and I finally got myself out of the rut, got myself an income, and and I want to pay it forward, you know. Oh, just yesterday there was a guy that came in 
he'd been homeless for like eight months and I hadn't seen him for like three months. And I'm like, yo, where you been at? <laughs> He's like, yeah, 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 I'm, I'm working now. Figured I'd, I'd buy a slice for someone else. I was like, that was awesome. Just a couple days prior, I had been like, man, I hope that guy's okay. And it turns out, you know, he's killing it. We don't always have a chance to come in and get fresh hot food whenever we can. And for people to donate money, and, you know, towards slices of pizza for us, like, really made a change in Philadelphia. In a city with a poverty rate that is higher than all other big cities comparable to it, to see such a show of compassion and, and brotherly love is, is really inspiring. I think it's pretty cool how powerful something this kind of small and simple can be. Yeah, come on, give it up for this guy, Mason. As I watched this video, two things happened to me. First off, I was like, man, that's awesome. And second thing, I was like, what happened to the church? I mean, that's our role. I mean, that's, that's our role. We see this in this moment, like with Philip, that he, that he obeyed the Lord, and it, and it made a huge difference. And I just want to say this to you. I, I don't, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to hear sermons. I don't want to just preach sermons. I don't want to just listen to music. I, I want to experience what Jesus did. I want to be what Jesus was. I, I, want to, I, I don't want to just go through the motions and, 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 and just like try to be a good person. I want to be like Jesus. I want to heal the sick and raise the dead. I want to see what he saw. That's the life. I want to see broken families put back together supernaturally. I want to have a word of knowledge for that person who wants to commit suicide. And me be able to say, man, I just felt like God told me to tell you this. And they go, whoa. That's God. My life does matter. And I don't want to just do that myself. I want to be a part of a community that lives that way. And I believe that more than ever, it's time for us to kind of wake up a little bit and, and, and be a part of the process of being someone's miracle, that, that God has it for us. And I believe everyone in our church wants that. And so what I want to do today is I want to help you by just giving you three choices that we have to make every day. If you want to be a part of the micro-miracle process in people's lives, you and I have to make some choices every day. I want to see that, again, I want to see the dead raised. I want to see people's marriages put back together. I, I want to see life in this earth. I don't want to just go to church and do some kind of routine. I want to see the supernatural power at work in people's lives, just like it's happened in mine, just like it's happened in yours. I want to be a part of that process. I want to be a part of their miracle. I want to be a part of whatever God needs me to be. And to do that, there's some choices that you and I have to wake up every day and make. So let me take you through those. Number one, the first choice that you and I have to make every day, and that is that someone else matters more than we do today. Somebody else matters more than Adam McCain today. And as an only child, that's a tough place for me to come to. i tell you that right now. Somebody else matters more than I do. And one of the perfect, perfected tactics of Satan is to have us to be consumed with ourselves. It's one of the, it's one of the great tactics of the enemy. Thousands of years he's been using that. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 11 says, it says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. I don't know about you, but the love that God has poured out on me 
there's got, I've got to pay that forward. I mean, the, the love that he's, where I should be, where you should be, we, you and I both ex- understand greatly. He has poured out his love on us, and we should love one another, and we should love others in the same capacity. We find that what happens many times, we become so consumed with ourselves that we miss it. We have a, a beautiful couple in our church. I don't know if you met uh, Jeff and Lori Turner. Uh, Jeff's a, he's a big guy. Lori's a little blonde, and they got two little, and two little blonde daughters, and they, they actually are our, our kids' ministers on our evening service. They're magnificent. And I asked them if I could tell this story because they keep coming up to me telling me these stories. Well, months ago, they fell on some real hard times, really struggling with finances. We're praying for them. They're small groups trying to help them and things like that and just, just, couldn't, just couldn't get through it. I mean, one job after another, just messy stuff. And, and so they just decided, you know what? We're not going to make complaints about it. We're going to do what we can. So they decided we have a car. We're just going to drive Uber. And so Lori started driving Uber, and, uh, and Jeff started driving Uber, and they, I guess they rotated. I don't really know how they did it. And then in the midst of doing that, someone crashed their car. I mean, just one difficult moment after another. And I know that I know, as their pastor, that was not their dream job. That is not what they moved back to Texas from Colorado to do. They had been helping a church plant. They want to do ministry. They want to help people. And what they decided to do was it wasn't going to be about them. And I'll never forget when Lori uh, brought uh, a Stevie up to me. Beautiful blonde. I don't know. Is Stevie here today? Stevie, are you here? Lori? Okay, she's not. Stevie, and, and Lori brought Stevie up to me, and she goes, Pastor Adam, I want you to meet Stevie. And I was like, oh, okay. I said, hi, Stevie. I said, uh, how, 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 did, how do you know each other? She goes, well, I was driving Uber, and Stevie was in the back, and uh, we got to talking, and I just said, Stevie. And I started telling my testimony, and Stevie was like, oh, my God, I, I need God. It's a miracle. And just, so she said, I'll come to your church. And so Lori brought her to church, and uh, she's since been back. Baptized. I mean, just a miracle. I'm just part of the, the micro-miracle process in Stevie's life. And Stevie's now helping other people. And the other night, uh, Jeff came up to me after service. He goes, Pastor, I got to tell you this one. I said, what happened? He goes, you know, I get this call. I, I, it might be Lyft. I might be getting Uber and Lyft confused. But he goes, I get this call. And uh, so I go to this place. And it's a sketchy part of town. And I'm waiting for the gal who's, you know, texting and said, you know, back and forth with me. And so I'm waiting for him. And I'm looking. I'm pulled up to this location. And it's some type of, you know, convenience store or something. He said, no, I'm telling you right there. That's prostitution. That's pimps. That's drug dealers. He said, it's just happening right there in front of me. He goes, and all of a sudden, this girl comes running out. And I can tell she's waiting for me. And he says, and, and I may not get all the details right. He says, and when I, then I noticed. This kind of guy, like this pimp guy or something, yelling and screaming, where are you going? And she's like in this panic trying to get away. He said, I just got out of the car. He's a big boy. And he stood there and said, sir, this is not going to happen tonight. She's going to get in this car and I'm going to take her somewhere safe. And she's crying and this guy's cussing and all this kind of stuff. And somehow, supernaturally, Jeff diffuses the situation, gets this girl in the car and saves her life micro miracles that little girl right there i'm telling you now i promise you this is a desert road that he and Lori are on they did not plan this this is not their dream come true but friend they're taking the moment that they're in right here right now and saying you know what i'm gonna be a part of someone's miracle even though i don't feel like i'm having miracles even though i don't feel like my life is going right i'm gonna be a part of it and the reason that is is because they've taken their their focus and their attention off themselves in the midst of their pain midst of their difficulty and they're putting it on other people and as we do that as we actually make someone else matter a little bit more than our own little situation supernatural things start happening. Are you with me? Say yes. See, it's difficult to spare some love for others when you've spent it all on yourself. It's difficult to have any love to give to anybody else when you've spent it all on yourself. First choice we have to make every morning when we wake up, Lord, it's not about me today. I'm going to make it about other people today. Here's a second choice that I would teach you that we have to make, and that is I will follow the Holy Spirit's leading today. 
and wake up every day, and I will follow the Holy Spirit's leading. I teach this a lot in this church, where the Bible tells us, let us stay in step with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 and 5 says it like this, those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit uh, desires. Philip only responded. The angel tapped him on the shoulders, come on, let's go, I need you. The Lord literally had to grab him a little bit. And I think that what happens to me on a daily basis, I get so caught up in what I'm doing. The Spirit of the Lord, I just miss him. Some of you guys got your favorite, you know, music channel. And, uh, you know, whatever that, that may be, on your radio channel. And uh, most of us don't listen to that anymore, but you may have it. And do you hear it right now? Can you hear your favorite radio channel right now? Do you hear it? You don't hear it, but they're still broadcasting. Yep. It's not that they're not broadcasting. You're not hearing it because we're not turned on to it. The Holy Spirit is always broadcasting. He's always broadcasting. Adam McCain's problem is I turn him off. Adam McCain's problem, I get so busy that it's background noise and I don't even pay attention. Are you with me? And for you and I to really see miracles in our lives and people's lives, what we got to do is we got to turn on the Holy Spirit. We got to say, Holy Spirit, today lead me. I find myself in the middle of the day so caught up in my work that I, I don't even, I miss the Spirit of the Lord. I like, I miss that he wanted me to pray with that person at Walmart. I just miss it. I mean, he messed with me the other day while I was traveling and just made, give that woman $20. I'm like, no, I'm not giving her $20. I'm not giving her $20. That's awkward. That's weird. And I felt it. And then I was like, I'm making it up in my mind. Are you with me? Come on. You've done the same thing. I'm just being honest. And I know that I missed the moment. And I walked away from that. And I was so sad. I was like, God, I'm just still not there. Oh, but friend, every day, you and I can start getting a little closer. And a little bit, a little more, bit more in step with the Holy Spirit. We can learn and we can grow. You don't ride a bike the first time you get on it. Come on. Now you fall down. You scrape up your knee. You got to keep at it. And you and I can learn to walk in the Spirit, stay in step with the Spirit. If we'll wake up and say, today my life is not my own, I will follow you, help me deal with my boss. What you tell me to tell my boss, I'm going to tell him instead of what I've been telling him, because what I've been telling him ain't working. And so here's the third thing that I would teach you, and that is that I will follow, I'll make the decision every day, I will follow the way Jesus loved. Or excuse me, I will love the way Jesus loved. The way Jesus loved and the way you and I love are two different ways, wouldn't you agree? I'm all about payback. You did this, you get this. Thank God Jesus didn't love that way. Aren't you glad that he took our sins and he cast them as far as the east is to the west, remembered them no more. We've been given grace that we don't deserve. Are you with me? Say yes. And the way Jesus, Jesus sometimes he'd just give a kind word. Sometimes he's, he, he would just pause the busyness of all the routine and just sit with a person. Sometimes we see in scriptures that Jesus' love was so true and so genuine that he would have to call them out. Say, yeah, but the man you're with now is not your husband. I love you, sweetheart, but that's not true. You're not telling the whole truth. But he would always do it in love. And I love the way Jesus would do it. He, he would get right up in the middle of awkward situations. He always, he'd walk right in the middle of prejudiced situations and stand there. He'd get right up in the middle of these two groups of people who hate each other. Prejudice, this tribe is this group, and this group is this. He'd stand right up in the middle and love on all of them. Awkward as all get out. He'd walk right up. He, he loved in a way that, that you and I can learn from. In fact, let me point out how he loved so deeply. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 12, 13, I love this passage. It says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Everybody say leprosy. leprosy. If you don't know what leprosy is, back in the day, you know, we, we've been able to do away with it, but it literally was a flesh-eating disease. Start with your extremities, noses, toes, just it, eat, off, just eat all the flesh off. And... Uh, <clears throat> It says, and when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus, verse 13, reached out his hand and did what? Say it with me. He did what? He touched the man. Remember that. 
I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, immediately the leprosy left him. So can I tell you the real key component to miracles is not having more Holy Spirit than everybody else. The real component is having more compassion on others than we normally have. Every time we see Jesus doing a miracle, he had compassion. He loved them. He actually cared. There was like this sincerity. He wasn't trying to build his own ministry. Some of you, the reason why God can't let you move in supernatural gifts, because you go start your .com tomorrow. And it would be like, you know, I'm traveling the world. Watch out. Here I come. And it would be all about you. And that's, that's probably some of the reasons why the Lord's had to work with me a little bit. And so what Jesus does with this man, now you understand leprosy in those days, it was, um, not only was it inappropriately, um, inappropriate for a leper to get anywhere close to normal people, um, but it was also illegal. And so what happens once, it didn't matter if you were rich or you were the most brilliant person on the planet, didn't matter if you were the king, if you got leprosy, you had to be extracted from the, from the community. And most of the times they would live as in leper colonies outside of the city. They'd live out in the woods. They'd live out at the dung pile. They would live out here just waiting to die because they had no cure for it. And so what was to happen was if you were on a road and a person with leprosy was on that same road trying to get somewhere and they saw you, they were supposed to go cower off to the side of the road and yell out, unclean, unclean, so that you could circle way away from them because they were so scared of this thing. They were so scared of it being contagious. And if you got next to someone with leprosy, you would get leprosy. And so it was law. It was written law. You could not get anywhere close to a leper, much less touch them. This man sees Jesus. He comes running, throws himself at his feet. And Jesus says, not only am I willing, but let me touch you, buddy. Let me touch you. See, when we love like Jesus loves, we've got to be willing to touch those that no one else wants to touch. That person at work that's a jerk that nobody even wants to talk to. That person that, that's in your family unit that you pray, Lord, don't make us go there for Christmas. Lord, please, let me get the flu. Let something else happen so I don't have to go sit with cousin idiot face. <laughs> Jesus would actually would have said, I'm willing, and would have touched them. That's the difficulty for me and for you, I'm sure. Is to make that decision every, decision every day, Lord, I will love the way you loved, even though it's not the way I would love. I will love the way you love, because I believe that Church on the Hill is supposed to be a church, and I don't talk about the building, I'm not talking about some obscure group of people, I'm talking about you sitting in the, in the seat, that we're supposed to be the people who actually are a part of the miracle process in people's lives. I look throughout Scripture, and I look throughout people's lives, and every one of us in all ways throughout Scripture God did miracles in people's lives, but he used little, little people situations along the way. He used little Philip moments along the way for supernatural things. Everybody wants these big moments, but those big moments are the result of a bunch of micro moments. You don't know, just being kind to the person at work, how that could turn that whole family around. You don't have any idea. I mean, there's a man uh, Saturday when it was raining. My daughter was at Bray's Carnival, and she was standing out in line about to get a snow cone when it started raining real big. And this man tapped her on the shoulder and said, sweetheart, can I skip ahead of you? My wife's really in a hurry, and I need to be able to get a snow cone uh, before, you know, the rain starts really pouring. It's starting to miss, but you can tell it's about to come. And Adeline said, she was like, uh, sure. And so the man says, thank you, and he hands her a $20 bill. I said, ooh, that man's a part of the micro-miracle process of my family. She came home. She got, got a $20 bill. I said, who is this man? I love this man. This man has changed my life. This guy is, I don't even know who he is, but one day when we get to heaven, I'm going to walk up to him and say, it was a life. Thank you for giving to the McCain's. I was a life. That was, no, I'm just kidding. 
But you and I need to understand that we're a part of this process. And when we miss out on our part in the process in a person's life, miracles don't happen. And we're sitting there worried about we're not good enough Christians. We're being frustrated because we don't know the Bible enough. We didn't go to Bible school, so we don't know what to say to them. Philip just explained what he knew. And this highly intelligent Ethiopian said, put me in the mud and baptize me, buddy. I guarantee you that Philip didn't have a theology degree. He just knew what he knew, and he shared what he knew. And it changed not just this man's life, but it changed Ethiopia. And it was really the centerpiece for the movement of Christianity in Africa in the early church. Unbelievable. It's time to be a part of the miracle process in people's lives. Let's be someone's miracle. Would you stand with me all across the room? I want you to stand for just a moment and let me pray over you. You and I have some decisions to make daily. That someone else matters a little bit more than we do. Could we move towards that? I want to be that person. You and I need to wake up every morning and make a little bit better decision to follow in the Holy Spirit. And then when we've had a bad morning, sit there at lunch and go, you know what, I, I want to adjust. I want to follow the Spirit of the Lord right now. And then you and I need to make the decision every moment throughout the day to love the way Jesus loved. It's not going to be easy. You're going to miss it. I miss it. Friend, can I tell you, as we start doing that, we'll start seeing micro miracles. We start worried about how much we hate the desert road. And just take what we've gone through and find a way to help somebody else. We'll stop talking about how great it was, you know, back in, 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 in Jerusalem. We just stop worried about all that we're missing out on now because we're out here by ourselves and we don't know what God's doing. If we could just realize that somebody on this road is going to come by and we got something to give them and be a part of their miracle journey as well. See, if you're so busy trying to get somewhere, you'll miss those who've been sent alongside of you. You'll miss them. And I've done that many times in my life. But I want our church, I want me, I want you to be the kind of people that testify about the micro-miracles all throughout the week. The little supernatural things. This guy just opened a pizza shop. A dollar pizza. And some guy said, hey, listen, I know you probably have homeless people come in. It's only a dollar. I want to give five dollars. And the guy said, all right, I'm going to write it on a sticky note. Pay it forward. And he touched thousands. Gave dignity to those men and those women who were homeless. Had to come in and beg and plead because someone was a part of the miracle process. I want to be a part of that in people's lives. I, won't, I don't want to miss it. I know you don't either. Would you close your eyes with me across the room? Can we take a moment and just pray before the Lord? Jesus, we ask you to help us. Lord, we, so many times it's all about us. But Lord God, I pray, Lord, starting tomorrow, we can, we can start adjusting that. Help us, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I know I miss you so often. I'm so sorry. And I ask you to, that we could be people who, a church, a body of believers, individual Christians, part of a collective community, that can wake up every day and say, you know what, the Spirit of the Lord is tuned on, I just got to tune in. And that we would be able to hear your voice and, and, and follow your leading and your nudging. And Lord God, that we wouldn't get frustrated about the desert road that we may find ourselves in or on at times. Lord, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that we would begin to learn to love the way you love Jesus. When we read the Holy Bible, that we'll read it 
not so we can preach a sermon to others. We read it so we can find out how you loved and love the way you loved. So we can figure out how you lived on this earth and be what you were and see what you saw. Lord, I, uh, so many of, uh, even young people, Lord God, in the church are so frustrated today, Lord God, because they don't, they don't see what the Bible said we would see. And Lord, not so at Church on the Hill. I thank you our young people are praying for sick people and seeing them healed. I thank you they're experiencing the goodness of your love towards others. Lord, we want to be a part of that. Would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, i got to be honest. You talk about Jesus like he's your best friend. That's true. That, he is my best friend. You talk about Jesus and you present him in such a way like you know him. And that's true. I, I do know him. And maybe you'd say, Pastor, I, I don't know Jesus. I don't really know him. I, I, I've said a prayer in the past. I've gone to church. But like, I don't know him like the way it seems like you talk about him. Friend, can I tell you something? You can know him. He can be your best friend. He can be the lover of your soul. See, 2,000 years ago, he died so that you didn't have to have dead religion and go through these rituals to somehow appease God. He died on a cross. That cross is kind of like this bridge across this chasm that was between us and God. That chasm was the result of our sin. Jesus paid for it 2,000 years ago. He paid it forward. There are sticky notes all over heaven with your name on it and the sin that you've already committed and the sins you haven't even committed yet, Jesus has already paid it forward for you. So you're kidding me. Yes, that's what he did 2,000 years ago. So how do I access that? How do I redeem that? The Bible says it like this, if you'll confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll transform you in that moment. It's just a matter of, allowing him to be Lord of our life. The beautiful thing about the God that we serve is he never forces his will. He never says, you're going to serve me. So you and I have to choose, and we have to invite him into our life and let him be Lord. He'll not force himself to be Lord of your life. He gave you free will to choose if you'll serve him or not, if you'll love him or not, if you'll go back to the old sin or not. And then he gives us power to overcome the sin that has been so tempting and so frustrating. This is the God we serve. And today, if you say, Pastor, I'm... I'm without that relationship, but I want it to happen today. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I would like to pray with you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not trying to embarrass you or point you out. This is a deep, private, serious decision that's going to affect not only your life in this world, but the life to come. And I need you to make it as such. I know we're in public, but I'm asking people to bow their head and close their eyes so that you and your God can have a real moment. And if you come to the conclusion, yes, I want Jesus, then I want to pray with you. I want to lead you into a relational communication. I want to start it off here and now with your relationship with Jesus through a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of giving your life to him, a prayer of opening up your heart and letting him into your life. No one looking around. If that's you, you say, Pastor, that's me. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. This is your moment to let Jesus be the Lord of your life. And I want you to identify that by simply lifting your hand and saying, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. Pray for me. If that's you, thank you. God bless you. Pastor, pray for me. I'm away from God. I want to be a Christian today. I want Jesus in my life. Thank you. Maybe you say, I've been away from the Lord, but I want to come home. Come home. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I'll give you about two, three more seconds. Pastor, I'm ready. I want to serve Jesus. I don't want to live like this anymore. God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else? Slip it up. Make sure I see it. Okay. Thank you. Amen. All hands are down. Now, I want to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of initiation of a relationship that has maybe gone awry or you've never had. 
I don't think there's anything magical about the words. I think what's supernatural is that your heart beats for God. Now let's seal it with a prayer of dedication. In fact, I'd like everyone in the audience to pray out loud with those who lifted their hands. Those who lifted your hand, I want you to mean this from all of your heart. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, a little bit better. Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. I recognize I've sinned against you. But here and now, I repent. And I ask you into my life, Jesus, come be the Lord of my life. Here and now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I pray for those who lifted their hand, those who prayed that prayer out with all sincerity and all dedication. Lord, I pray right now they would sense forgiveness. They don't have to perform. They don't have to give money to the church to be forgiven. Just ask. Open up their hearts, and that's what they've done. So, Lord, let the overwhelming sense that it's over, the shame, let it be over. Let the guilt be over. And, Lord, let them have a revelation. And, Lord, they may not be perfect. They may sin here and there from this point forward. But, Lord, God, that they're yours. They may not be the best Christian ever, but they're yours. They're a Christian. They're a follower of Christ. And they'll grow and they'll mature. And, and, the, and the appetites of sin that were so attractive in the past, they'll just lose their flavor as they fall more in love with you day in and day out. God, I just thank you for grace and mercy. I pray, Lord, for the joy of their salvation, that joy would kind of start overtaking their heart and they would recognize, wait a minute, I don't have to live in shame anymore, I'm forgiven. Lord, and I pray, Lord God, the peace of God that surpasses all understanding would guard their heart and mind through Christ Jesus from this day forward. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.